Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. As we begin a brand new book, I want to give you a quick view which is critical. The foundation is key to understanding and applying this book. Okay? So, so important. Why? Because it also, not only is it important to understanding it, it also validates God's word. You go, what do you mean? Well, again, when we study with great understanding, okay, so we have to put on our thinking caps, okay? You know at Calvary Chapel, we're just not going to preach. We're going to teach you. You got to have that foundation in your heart. Why? Because so many times you and I both know we have run into people that say, oh, man wrote the Bible. How do I know it's true? There, help me, church. There are a lot of contradictions. We hear all that all the time. And you're going, no, 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 no. When we understand it, when you fully grasp it, you go, no, 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 no. Man could have not written this. Not the way it's laid out. Not the way it's structured. Not the foundation. This has to be divinely inspired. As a matter of fact, if you're taking note, remember Paul in writing to Timothy said this. He said this in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. He said, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And is profitable for what, man? For doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction in righteousness. Why? That the man of God or the woman of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. You go, Ben, what did he say? He said, every word is God-breathed. Every word is God-breathed. And it's profitable for us. And yet, there are times when we want to tiptoe away from the word of God. And yet he says, no, 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 listen, it's God. Listen, I want all that God has for us. And so when we jump into Matthew, this is God. Well, what about 17 verses of genealogy? There's a reason for that. There's a reason for the genealogy. Well, what is it? Well, you have to come back next week to find out what that is. Okay? So today, we're embarking on a brand new series called Follow Me. And we will study the Gospel of Matthew, listen to me, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. I don't want you to miss a thing. I don't want you to miss a thing, including genealogies. You know how simple it would be like, hey, y'all read it yourself. (laughs) Y'all read, yeah. And -and so-and-so begot so-and-so, and and -and so-and-so begot so Yeah, yeah, y'all just read it. Let's just jump into chapter two. No, no, no. We're going to see, we're going to look through that, guys, because I'm committed to you. And we're going to go over the next 28 chapters. But here's what I want you to do. The one thing I want you to do, guys, is focus on hanging out with Jesus. In other words, let's really get to know him. Okay, let's really get to know him. Ready? You guys ready? Let's jump in, okay? You guys are taking notes? Yep, look at this. I love this. She's taking notes right here. The gospel means good news. According to Matthew, and one of its earliest accounts is about Jesus of Nazareth. You go, boy, that's Captain Obvious. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's also going to talk about his, his life which I want to hang out with because I want to be his disciple. And being his disciple means I want to know exactly what he's talking about. I want to see his death and his resurrection. Now, think about this for a second. Put on your thinking caps. The book itself is anonymous, if you will. I didn't know that. 
But the earliest reliable tradition actually links Matthew, the tax collector, who was of one of the 12 apostles, you go, okay, that Jesus appointed when he actually, and he actually appears in this book. So first and foremost, right, he goes to Matthew and he says, follow me. Okay, now to you and I, it's no big deal. But Matthew actually names himself in the book. Notice in Matthew chapter 9, verse 9, you could jot this down. It says, Jesus passed on from there. He saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax office. And he said to him, follow me. And so he arose and followed him. Guys, this is Matthew. Jesus goes by the IRS booth. He's like, hey, Matthew, let's go. Follow me. And the Bible says that Matthew got up and went. I got to tell you a little something about Matthew, but I won't get ahead of myself. He also says in Matthew 10, chapter 10, verse 3, it says, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. How would you like that to, oh, Eva, how would you like that to always be your name? It's Eva, the tax collector. Oh, don't, I just, let me, right? When we hear Thomas, what do we know? Doubting Tom. That's his, he's going through eternity. What's your name? Doubting. No, what's your real name? Thomas, but they call me, right? Matthew, the tax collector. Okay, you go, well, I'd rather be a tax collector than a doubter. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You're going to see. You're going to see. James, the son of Alphaeus, Libius, and whose surname was Thaddeus. Now, today, let's look, guys, at the structure. We're going to highlight the specifics about Jesus as we lay the foundation. But here's what I want you to keep in mind, okay? In order to really understand, as we make through our, our way through, um, copious notes will help you understand each section, okay? Because when we go through each section, then you'll have a heading. Now, listen, Matthew, Matthew, the tax collector, has one goal in mind, okay? You go, Ben, what's that? He wants to specifically show us how Jesus is the continuation of the whole biblical story about God and Israel. Okay? That's his goal. I want to show you how Jesus fits in. You go, Ben, how so? Okay? Well, Matthew was broken down into three points. Okay? You go, what's that? Matthew's going to write that note. First and foremost, that Jesus is the Messiah from the line of David. You got to know that. You got to know that. Okay? That's the first thing he wants to do. The second thing he wants to do is he wants to let the Jewish people know that he is the new Moses. He is the new Moses in authority and his teaching. And three, he says, I, here's my goal. I want you to understand that Jesus is Emmanuel, which means in Hebrew, God with us. Okay? So here's from the line of David. Okay? Here he is. He's what? He's the new Moses. Now, to you and I, Gentiles, here in Lubbock, Texas, Mo, that doesn't mean anything to us. Mo, okay, it's the new Moses. Okay. No, no, no. But understand, as he writes to his Jewish people, every one of them would just be blown away. And I'll tell you why in a moment. Okay? So, Matthew. Matthew is broken up like this. In chapters 1 through 3, we'll hit chapter 1 next week. Okay, that is our introduction. What Matthew does is he sets this stage by attaching Jesus' story 
on the storyline of the Old Testament. Okay? From Malachi, there's been silent, but the very first book could have been John. It, in order, it could have been Luke, but it was Matthew. Because he wants to connect, right? He wants to, he wants to say, here's Jesus in the storyline. How so? Notice that Matthew starts with the genealogy of Jesus. But it goes all the way back. Where does it go all the way back, guys? All the way back to Abraham, who had many sons. Many sons had father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord, right? That's, that's what he's going. I'm so glad Feathers got that. That's just awesome. Here's what I want you to jot down. Write in your Bible, taking notes, whatever. Matthew is written with Jewish people in mind. And it portrays Jesus as king. Okay? So we have to... Paul put on a Jewish mindset at times to understand what's going on. We come from a Western background, and sometimes we don't understand what, what, what the text is saying. But with a Jewish mindset, we go, oh, oh, wow. The second point I want to make, guys, is that is I want you to see that there is a connection, connection. Matthew is going to connect. What's he going to do, guys? He's going to connect the Old Testament right? He's going to connect Jesus to the Old Testament. That's what he's going to do. It's all about connection. You go, how so? Okay, jot this down. I'm telling you, take notes. He wants to connect Jesus specifically to the Torah, okay? Or the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. Okay, I have a question for you, church. Who wrote the first five books of the Bible? Moses, right. Okay, so you understand. You can't make this stuff up. So, so Matthew goes, hey, listen, I'm going to connect these. I, I, I want to connect Jesus, guys, as a teacher, and I want to connect it as it parallels Moses' five books. What books? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, right? Numbers, Deuteronomy, all of those. All of those. Why is that important? Okay, if you are Jewish in here, if you were born in Israel and you were a Jewish male, you had to memorize the first five books of the Bible. You had to memorize the Torah before you were 12 years old. That was your job. You understand that? Can you imagine a 12-year-old going, in the beginning, and then boom, memorized all five books. Come on, you're looking at me like, I, I don't even know my social security number. Are you kidding me? I don't even know my own phone number. You, right? They had to memorize that. And yet some of us are going, ah, oh. And, I, and, and then we go in discipleship and go, hey, you need to memorize scripture. I can't. Why not? It's hard. Really? Can you imagine when the baby's born, when the baby's born, there you are, scripture after scripture after scripture. They had to memorize this, okay? So, so by the time you were 12, now what did the girls do? I don't know, but I'm sure they heard it. I'm sure they heard it, okay? So every Jewish male should be able to see that Jesus 
was the Messiah based on the Old Testament. You guys tracking with me? Which blows my mind, Soph, because, because when he showed up on the scene, none of the Pharisees, none of the religious leaders saw beyond their own personal goals that they didn't see that he was the Meshach, the Messiah. They should have known unless they were memorizing just because. Unless they were memorizing, oh, just because. Just because. So how does Matthew do this? Well, he's going to highlight, guys, how Jesus came from the messianic line of David, and he was the son of Abraham. Okay, so he's going to take you. He's going to go, okay, let's go back to Father Abraham. Okay, now, who was Israel's hero in the faith? If you were to go back and say, who's your hero? Okay, they would say Moses. Moses was the guy. And then they would say, but not only that, Abraham. So they would have Moses, and, and, but it was Abraham, because Abraham was, it was like, okay, he's the father, he's, he, he's came. It was Father Abraham. So what does Matthew do? Matthew, the tax collector, guys, in the first three chapters, he starts to set the stage. Jesus, guys, is going to bring God's blessing to all the nations. This is what he wants us to learn. He's going to tell us how all the prophetic promises are filled in him. You go, for example... How the, the messianic promises says that he would be born in Bethlehem. And boom, it is done. How Jesus' conception would be by the Holy Spirit and his name would be Emmanuel all work together to show that he was not a just a mere human being. That he really was God with us. You understand that Herod was so freaked out about Jesus that he went on a murder spree, killing every male child two years and younger. You go, Ben, what's the point? Can I just say this? This is not even in my notes. But I want you guys to see there is a spiritual battle going on all the time. The world is a spiritual battle. The Bible says that we don't rest against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Those things that come against you could be spiritual battle. Now listen, like, like Ray said last week, we, we need to make sure. If we, if we get a flat tire, that's not being attacked by a demon, okay? It means you run over a nail. I just can't believe this! But there are times when people will come up against you that you have no clue that they did. Family, whoa! Oh, that's a spiritual attack, okay? But understand, so what does Matthew do? Even Matthew's introduction, guys, as we look at it, is we're going to see some key themes. You go, what's that? Again, you can jot this down, that he's from the line of David. He's from the line of David, that he is God with us, Emmanuel. But more importantly, he wants to teach the Jewish people and us that he is the new Moses. The new Moses, how so? Well, remember, like Moses... Okay, Jesus came out of Egypt. Like Moses, Jesus passed through the waters of baptism just like Moses came through the Red Sea. You guys with us? And then eventually the Jordan River. And he entered into the wilderness. How long did Jesus go for? 40 days. Okay, 
And so when, then Jesus goes up upon a mountain to deliver his new teaching. Was that not the, the plan? So, so you're going, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So the first five books of the Bible, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I get it. The first five books go hand in hand. That's what he does in the first three chapters. Let me introduce you. Let me show you who he is. Okay? Have you ever read a book? You go, well, I hope so. Have you ever started a book and it didn't grab your attention? That within the first two, two, chap, two, two paragraphs, you're like, meh. And you put it down and, and it's there. You have the book. Or have you ever had a book where it's like, whoa, it just pulls you in and you read that entire book. And there you are at 2 o'clock in the morning going, I can't put this down. We've done that, have we not? This is what Matthew is attempting to do. He says, listen, I've got to grab you. Okay, I've got to show you. And everybody goes, oh. And then what does he do? He says, okay. So you've got an introduction. You guys with me? But then in between is, well, it's the good stuff. Okay? Picture this. Picture you going out and making you a sandwich. Okay? Does anybody ever remember the Dagwood sandwiches? Everybody 40 years and under have no clue what I'm saying. Do you remember Dagwood? You don't know who Dagwood is, do you? See, you're so young. I get it. Dagwood was a cartoon that made a sandwich the size of Texas. You remember that? Picture Matthew like that. The first top bread is one through three, but in between is all the good stuff. Right? It's all the stuff you put in a sandwich. It's the meatloaf. I don't know if you've ever had a meatloaf sandwich. Those are good. Those are good. Then you put, and you put ham, and you put cheese, and you put pastrami, and you da 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 cheese, and da and bacon. You gotta make sure you have bacon. This is what we're gonna look at. Okay? So in between. Okay? Now, the first thing that, that Matthew goes, hey, hey, let me put some good stuff in, in between the sandwich. So, if you're taking notes, chapters four to seven, here's what he does. Here's what we're gonna learn. We're gonna learn that Jesus steps into the scene, announcing God's kingdom. This is how he comes in. Okay? Now keep this in mind. The first book of the Bible, Genesis, we see how the announcement of God's kingdom came until Adam forfeited the title deed by sinning. You understand, God goes, I'm here. He walked with Adam and Eve, guys, in the cool of the day. Could you imagine until until Eve and Adam, don't look at me that way, women, Adam and Eve were talking to a snake. And then from that time, it all went down. It all went down. It fractured everything. But here's what Adam did. Adam turned the title deed and he gave it to Satan. Satan's been running the planet for the last 6,000 years. But soon and very soon, we are going to see the king, right? It's, it's coming. But right now, this is what's going on, okay? So this is what happens. God's kingdom, guys, is really the key as we discover the ultimate what? Rescue mission. This is what it is, right? Some of you guys, dun, 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 dun. Right? It's the rescue mission. Jesus is coming through as King Jesus. What's he going to do? The first thing I love my Jesus does is he's going to confront evil especially spiritual evil, along with demon oppression, disease, 
and death. Why? Because Jesus came to restore God's rule and reign over the world. That's a good place for an amen. Well, Ben, how did he do this? Guys, he did this by creating, check this out, a new family of people who would follow him, who would obey his teachings and live under his rule. Okay, your attention, please. Right now, when Jesus came on the scene, Rome was oppressing everything. So they thought he was going to come in and just and be King Jesus over Rome and wipe them out. Jesus says, no, no, no. You know what? My rule is an upside-down rule. Because what I'm going to do is I'm going to develop a new family. What are they going to do? You ready? You need to jot this down. You need to jot this down. Here's what he says. I want them to follow me, which means be his disciple. I want them to obey my teachings. Not culture, not world. I want him to obey the word. And I want them to live under my rule through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what he's doing. You go, guess who that is? Santos, that's us. That's us. Listen, when you gave your life to Jesus, you joined a unique family of believers. That's why I stand up here and go, hey, how many of you want to give your life to Jesus? Come join the family. But it's more than going, yeah, I prayed a prayer at Calvary Chapel. I put a little X on the ground. That's where I prayed the prayer. It's, it's what? It's following Jesus. It's dying to self. Okay? It's obeying his teachings. This is what God says. This is what God says. That's not popular, guys. You know, when any friends obeying God's teaching, they think you're approved. They think you're, no, no, no. I'm going to obey God's teaching. And I'm going to allow him to rule my life. This is what he says. Now, remember that Jesus says, he said, listen, I'm not here to set aside the commands of the Torah, Eva. He says, I'm actually here to fulfill them. And I'm going to fulfill them through his life. He also said, now listen, here's what's key, guys. He also said that he was here to transform the hearts of his people so that they can truly love God and love their neighbor. That's what's missing today. We need heart transformations. We need our hearts to change from within us. You will been, what, what's, the, what's the opposite of a transformation? I'll tell you what it is. It's behavior modification. We've changed our behavior so that we look good, but nothing's happened on the inside. Jesus goes, no, I didn't come so that you can modify your behavior. I didn't sit there and go, please be good, and I'll give you cookies and milk. He said, I want to see you change from the inside out. Isn't that a unique thing the church is? We should be transformed from the inside. We don't all look the same. We don't all behave the same. We don't. But we're all transformed. We're all family of God. We're all family of God. Guys, we need to, we need to start acting like that. We're all, the fam- we're all part of the family of God. So he's here to transform. That's chapters 4 to 7. Got it? Chapter 8 through 10 is another section. And here's what we learned. Here's what I love. Jesus is bringing into reality, guys, his kingdom into day-to-day lives of his people. So he doesn't just teach it. He's like, look, let me show you. 
Let me show you. So what Matthew does is he arranged nine stories, guys, nine stories about Jesus as he's bringing the kingdom into lives of hurting people. Okay? Hurting people. And uh, here's my thought. My thought is, if, if we study these chapters, guys, if we study 8 through 10, man, think about this. We should be able to relate. Why? Because we are or were or have been those same type of people. We are hurting. We're broken. We're messed up. We're not perfect. We're awful. We're ugly. We're mean. And Jesus comes in and he changes that. Guys, listen. It's progressive sanctification. Every single day you're becoming more like Jesus. And he's going to work, and he's going to work on chipping off those things that are not pleasing to him. Can I get a witness? I mean, he does that to me. Right? I have been serving God since I was 17 years old, and I am nowhere near where I thought I would be. Can I let you on a little secret? Right now? Because I fight the Lord all the time. Oh, don't do that, Lord. No, we're good with that. Oh, stop. No. Uh, Ben, I want to make you better. No, I'm good. (laughs) I like me just the way I am. Right? You guys know, you're laughing because that's exactly what you do. You look in the mirror and go, hey, enough about me. Let's talk about you. That's what you want to do. But he wants to chip those things off and he wants to make us more like him. And it takes us and it hurts and it's death. And it's death. But you know what? On this side, you're better off because you're just like, wow, I didn't think I could ever be this close to God. The closer you walk with God, help me, help me, feathers, the more you realize how, how, how wretched you are. You do. You go, oh, my. You see, it's not opposite. It's not the closer you walk with God. You're like, hey, look at me. It's going, oh, wow. Let me let you on a little secret. I was talking to a pastor earlier this week and realized that he pointed out that I have a rebellious heart. He did not. No, not directly to me. But as he mentioned it, that he had a rebellious heart, I realized that I was in rebellion to God. I'm like, oh, I don't want to be. But I can feel it. Prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. To leave God. Listen, here's my thought. If Jesus back then, if he did this back then, why would he not be able to have, why don't we have the faith today that he will do that around the broken people we know, the hurting people we know, right? Why wouldn't he do that? I'll tell you why, because we go praying for somebody, and we're like, Lord, if your will, oh, I hope so. Cross my fingers, cross my toes, Lord, please do something. We need to have the faith that if God did it back then, he can still do it today. He can heal those of cancer. He can bring back marriages. He can restore those that are hurting and broken emotionally. They're not lost. As long as they're alive, there's always a chance. We need to step out in faith and say, yes, God. We need to pray. We need to pray and say, yes, God can do it. All of these stories we're going to look at, guys, man, they're about people who are sick and broken and or in danger, and Jesus heals and saves them by his wonderful acts of grace and love and mercy. And you realize that in between those stories, guys, we find parallel stories when Jesus calls and he says, hey, follow me. 
follow me. Right? Now, remember, following Jesus is not pushing a button on our phone. I'm following the Lord. How do you know? Look right there. See his post. You ready? It's called to be his disciple. Now, Diedrich Bonhoeffer, on his book called The Cost of Discipleship, says this, quote, When Christ calls a man or a woman, he bids him to come and die, end quote. Do you realize that's what discipleship means? What does that mean? It means that it's over. We're done. You're done. You're done. When he says, follow me, he bids you to come and die. Lay down your life. Lay down your life. Matthew's making a point here. What's that? One can only experience the power of Jesus' grace by following him and becoming. This is the only way you're going to experience that, by becoming his disciple. Did you notice I didn't say, hey, join our church. Go out and recruit new people. Be his disciple. Why? Because when you're his disciple, you're going to attract everybody to you. Why are you like that? Why are you doing this? Are you kidding me? A disciple's hungry for the word of God. A disciple's hungry. So then he moves on, guys, to the next block. There's more sandwich stuff. What's that? Chapters 11 to 13. We discover that Matthew is is going to collect a group of stories. Now listen, on how people respond to Jesus in his message. Don't you want to know? This is, he goes, listen, it's not all rainbows and butterflies. How so? Basically, there are three responses, and you know this, and this is going to help you, okay? These are three responses. There's the positive. There were people who fell in love with Jesus and said, yes, he's the Messiah. That's what happened to you. You looked and said, yes, I believe it. I believe it. Now, listen to me. Listen to me. I've got a seven-year-old granddaughter. Okay, right now, she, she believes what mom and dad teach. She believes what grandma, she believes what we tell her. You got that, right? But one day, she's going to have to make that decision. Now, here's the decision I want her to make, that, that I would look in her eyes and say, sweetie, I have done the research. I have studied the Bible. I have looked and looked and looked, and I've got to tell you, there is a God. And then I would want her to say yes. Her response is positive, yes. But then there's also neutral. We tell people about Jesus, and they're neutral. Do you realize that John the Baptist was neutral? Do you remember? Hey, go see if Jesus is the Messiah, or should we look for another? He, he didn't know. There's a lot of his brothers and sisters. Can you imagine growing up with Jesus? His brother, he, I'm the Messiah. No, you're not. Right? Do you remember your brothers? You'd punch them in the arm, right? I mean, can you imagine? No, you're not. Right? This is... But then there was negative... Jesus says, I'm the Messiah, and you have the Pharisees and the Bible scholars, and guess what they do? They all reject Jesus. They think he's a false teacher, and he's leading people astray. Guys, it's the same today. When you present Jesus, you have people to say, yes, that's what I needed. You'll go, huh? I'm not sure. And then you have people go, no, thank you. Why'd you invite me to church anyway? You know I'm a... And whatever it might be. But you know what? Jesus isn't surprised by all of this. He's not thrown by it. He's not like, oh. In fact, he focuses on his third block of teaching in chapter 13. 
he uses the parables, guys, of a farmer. You guys remember that? Soil seed, mustard seed. He uses parables. He says, let's talk about that. Well, then that brings us to chapters 14 through 20. And this is the place where people explore all the different expectations about the Messiah. Jesus keeps healing the sick. Twice, if you remember, he even did something crazy. What's that? He miraculously provided food for these large, huge crowds. Do you remember that? And here's what I want you to jot down. If you're taking notes, he did this first for Jewish people, and then the second was non-Jewish people, which blows my mind. Why? Because I want to be grafted in. But he did this. Jesus wasn't going, oh, you don't count. You don't count. He says, no, 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 no. Not only is I'm going to feed you, but I'm going to feed you. And the point is that he loves you. He loves you very much. And see, this was another sign, guys, to what Moses did for Israel in the wilderness. Right? Did not Moses, through God, feed him in the wilderness? Right? Do you remember when he fed him? It was manna, right? Manna. Do you know what manna means? What is it? That's what it means. What is it? So they went out going, what is it? I don't know, just eat it. Right? And they had all kinds of stuff. Right? They had manna pancakes. Manna waffles, manicotti. Just saying if you're awake. <laughs> I know it's a little corny. But there were different views of the Messiah. And see, they came back and said, no, 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 no. See, the Messiah needs to be like from Psalm 2 or Daniel chapter 2. He needs to be the victorious Messiah, right? He needs to deliver us from these pagan oppressors. And from their point of view, Jesus was a false teacher. Why? Because he's making blasphemous claims about himself, and so there are stories about him increasing in their opposition, hatching a plot to kill him. And so the response, think about it today. Could you imagine the way our country is today? Oh, go, oh, oh, wait a minute, Ben, wait a minute. So, so you're saying there was a group of people who thought Jesus was a false teaching because he didn't come and rescue them from the oppression of the government. You understand that? Okay? Think about this for a minute. What if the world got so bad that the world started looking for somebody who would rescue them from the oppression of the government? I think his name would be Anti-Christ. The problem is, is the world is going to fall right away going, yeah, 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 because I, I, don't, I don't like where we're going. I don't like what we're doing. I don't like the world we're living in. Jesus goes, no, no, you, you're missing it, guys. So he, he realized they're trying to kill him. He withdraws, and what does he do? He gets his closest people and his closest disciples, and he says, listen, let me tell you what it means to be Israel's Messiah, and it's not what they expected. Okay? So Jesus asks his disciples in chapter 16, he says, who do you say that I am? That's a great question for us. Ask yourself, who is Jesus? Who do you say that I am? And Peter comes up with the right answer. Do you remember what he says? He says, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. Well, that brings us to chapters 21 through 25. The problem is now is two kingdoms clash, okay? Because you have Jesus' kingdom. Here he comes, right? He stirred the pot, and his kingdom is made up of us, guys. 
It's made up of those who, who again, who, here, here's, here's our description. You ready? You ready for your resume? You are made up of people who, uh, instead of getting revenge, choose to forgive. What? What? It's a heart issue. You see, the world looks on you and thinks, you're a wimp. You're, you're, you're weak. And God says, no, 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 I don't, we don't need revenge. I need to forgive. Um, we're, we're looking at a world that, that's, that's doing good to their enemies. Come on, somebody. Doing good to our enemies. Can we be honest in church? We don't. I want to punch my enemy in the nose. I want to give him a throat chop. <laughs> God says, no, I've called you to do good. Okay. That's different. He says, I'm going to call you guys to be wealthy. He is? Yeah, he says, by giving it all the way to the poor. Give it away to the poor. (laughs) Wow. See, guys, we're different. We're unique. We're a different type of people. God's call, as, as disciples of Christ, you want to be wealthy? Give it away. Give it away. Just, just give it away. Don't give away your old stuff too, you know? Don't give away your stuff that's been sitting in the closet for 25. Yeah, you know, I, I might wear this jacket again. Bro, it didn't fit you in high school. It's not going to fit you now. Yeah, but, okay, I'll give it to God. Give God the very best because he chose to give you the very best. He sent his son, Jesus. And listen, listen. Don't lend people money. Give him money. Don't ever go here. Here, Kevin, I'm going to lend you $500. Then that puts something strained between me. If you have enough to, to lend it, give it. And that frees you up. I'll pay you back. Hey, bro, listen. This is, don't even worry about it. It's done. It's done. Do you guys understand the principle? Because we're per- this is what he's saying. This is what he's saying. But there's another kingdom, right? Another kingdom that's clashing against that. It's against Israel's leaders who are like, no, 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 no. You, we need to challenge your authority. Because naturally, they are deeply, you ready? Ready for this word? I don't think you've heard it in a while. Offended. Offended. Can I just say this? We're offended by everything in this world except sin. We're not offended by sin anymore. But if you look at me the wrong way, oh, I'm deeply offended. Well, that's what they were doing, guys. Jesus is coming in and he's like, hey. So what do they do? They try to trap Jesus and shame him publicly and, and, and again, shame him in a debate in public. And so they end up just determining, well, we can't catch him, so let's kill him. And in response... What does Jesus do? He delivers his final block of teaching. And what does he do? He withdraws with his disciples. And here's where we're going to get really intimate with God, guys. And he's going to tell them, this is what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen. He says, you see these guys that that are offended by everything I say? They're going to kill me. They want to kill me. And eventually they're going to take him and execute him. Huh? 
And so the last three chapters, guys, are the other piece of bread that we have our sandwich in. And it's the climax of what he just taught his disciples and to us. And this is where Jesus spends intimate time with his followers to share the Passover meal with them, to remind them how he rescued them from slavery through death of the Passover lamb. And you know the final outcome. Jesus is arrested. It's on a bogus trial. He was beaten, whipped, and crucified. But the story doesn't end there. The story doesn't end there. In the, the very last chapter, or the very last verse, guys, we see him rise from the dead and give one command. And he says this to us, Matthew 28, 19 and 20. He tells us, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things I have commanded to do, and I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. He's the Great Commission. He says for you and I, we've got to go. We've got to go. Let's remember this, church. Ready? I don't, this, is, this is not to offend you, but listen. Christianity is not about us. It's not. Christianity is about others. We need to go into Lubbock, Texas, guys, and make disciples. That's our goal. We need to obey God's word. That's our goal. That's our goal. We have this beautiful book, guys, and next week we're going to jump right in. I've given you the foundation. So every section we go, hey, remember, remember this section is going to talk about this. And then we're going to dig in and we're going to start moving dirt and rocks. And, oh, it's going to be good. We're going, them gold and them their hills. You know, we're going to pull that out and we're going to, we're going to, it's going to be exciting, guys. And we're going to be disciples of the Lord. And we're going to sit and we're going to, oh, I smell what Jesus, I smell Jesus. Oh, wow, this is good. Oh, wow, look. Wow. And our goal, our goal is to, to grow you up to be fully devoted followers of Jesus. Fully devoted. Not partially devoted. Do you know what partially devoted is? I got, it's kind of like the hokey pokey. Do you guys know what the hokey You put one foot in, you put one foot out, and you put the one foot in, and you, you know what I mean? It's, it's going, I'm going to jump in. I'm going to hokey pokey with Jesus. I'm going all the way in. And that's really what he's saying. He's saying, do you want to do this? You go, okay, okay, cool. Yeah, I want to be, but listen, Ben, I've got some issues. I've got some emotional issues. Jesus can heal that. He can, if he can heal it for them, why can't he heal it for me? You're no different. He loves you very, very much. Well, Ben, we've got some marital issues. We've got some stuff we got. Listen, Jesus can come in and heal that. He can heal that. Pastor Ben, I've got, I've got loved ones that aren't saved. Jesus can save them. Jesus can save them. That's what he wants to do. As we close, okay, don't put, your, don't put your notes away. As we close, okay, I want you to jot these things down, okay? Jot these things down to make, as we make our way through this book, here's what I want you to do, okay? Things to look for as we go through. 
Well, Ben, I'm not going to be here every Sunday, so, but you can listen to the podcast. You can watch it on Facebook, okay? But here's what I want you to do. Matthew is presenting Jesus, okay? Remember, as a continuation and fulfillment of the Old Testament storylines. You go, okay, Ben, I got that. So here's what I want you to do. Look how he weaves quotations from the Old Testament scriptures, and you'll find that where he places them are strategic points in explaining more about Jesus' identity. You go, what do you mean? As we go through, he's going to quote Old Testament. You've got to understand where it is. Remember, he's tying those in, and we've got to go, oh, that was very strategic as he put this in right there. So I want you to go back. If you see an Old Testament quote, right, go back, look up the reference, read them in their Old Testament context, and guess what? Most often than not, you'll discover really cool, interesting connections. Unbelievable. Why? Because the Jewish people were rooted and grounded in the Old Testament. Here comes Jesus. And it's like, wow. You said this? You said this? You're kidding me. You're kidding. You must be the Messiah. Okay, so let me ask you this. I'm going to give you the next one, but let me ask you this. I want you to think about when you first got saved. Think about when you first got saved. When somebody presented the gospel to you, hey, and they tell you the gospel, the good news. Very rarely did we go, yay, I want that. Really? We thought about it. We thought about it. We mulled it over. We, 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 we did some soul. We, you know what? There, there, there might be something true to, to this Jesus. Tell me more. And then we made a commitment to follow Jesus. You, you understand that. And that's what he's trying to do as he goes through, through, through Matthew. He's trying to go, listen, here's where I am. Here's my connection. Will you accept me? Will you open up your heart? Now, there are times that God's already been working on you. He's already been working on you, and then you come to church, and the pastor goes, hey, how many of you want to give your life to Jesus? And hands go up, and people are like, man, I want to get saved. That's, that's God already. But very rarely is it a one time. We want to know about this Jesus. Tell us how this all fits in. And in all my study, all my study, so all my study, your study, you can't, it connects too perfect. You're going, no, this connects too, man cannot write this. There is not a smart man that's good. No, this is God breathed. And you see it and you go, yes, this is God. You guys have heard Soph's testimony. You've heard it. I mean, how could a God take a man like this who, because he's God. And God wants to use every one of us just that way. Just that way. The second thing. You ready? Pay attention as we go through Matthew, the types of people who accept Jesus and follow him. And you'll see that most often people are unimportant. You'll see that they're irreligious. These are people just normal, like you and I, who are transformed by their their trust and faith in Jesus, and they follow him. Just normal people. It's the religious that are prideful who are offended by him. I can't wait to jump into the book next week. I want to share some stuff about Joseph that will blow your 
mind. So much so that I think Joseph should have fair play in Christmas next week. Father, thank you. Today, God, the introduction, thank you for your word and the truth in your word. God, you are amazing and wonderful. But I never want to leave, God, a Bible study. I never want to leave a worship service without giving anyone an opportunity to surrender to you. And they may have walked in here today, God, feeling like a million miles away from you, that they they, they just feel so broken and so beaten and emotionally drained and, and spiritually gone, Lord, that they just going, God, how could you love someone like me? And yet, God, through the power of your Holy Spirit, you're knocking on their heart right now saying, yes, I love you. You're exactly who I died for. And so if you're watching online or you're in the church today, maybe God is speaking to you. Maybe you've never surrendered your heart to God, but today's your day. What a beautiful thing that would be, that the gospel would reach your heart, save you from your sins, and welcome you into the family of God. Well, you go, Ben, what do I need to do? Because, like I said, I feel a million miles away from God. Well, listen, you might feel a million miles away from God, but you're one decision from coming back to him right now. And all you have to do is open up your heart and invite him inside. All you have to do is say, yes, he's knocking on your heart. And so with every eye closed and every head bowed, is there anyone here that would want to put their faith and trust in Jesus, that would want to surrender their lives to you, to him today? You know, Ben, what do I need to do? Would you just lift up your hand? Nobody's going to see you. I'll see you. Would you just lift up your hand and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I want to surrender my life to God. I, I want to be forgiven, and I want my life to count. I'm tired of doing things my way. I'm going to follow you. If that's you, would you do that right now? Would you say, Ben, pray for me? Listen, this is, this is, a, this is a major thing, man. This is between you and the Lord. And all you have to do is say yes to God. Would you do that right now? Just lift up your hand and say, Ben, pray for me. I want Jesus to come into my life. I want to be saved. I want to join the family of God. I'm ready. I, 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 want, I want God for eternity. If you're watching online, I can't see you, but you could lift up your hand. You could say yes to him. And if you lift up your hand and you say yes, but, but maybe you just have to pray something with faith and say, Lord, Jesus, come into my life. Come into my heart. I believe in you. I've tried to do things my way. I want to do things your way. I commit today to be a fully devoted follower of Christ. That's my, that's my commitment to you. We love you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Let's, let's worship. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.